Welcome to the Lifehouse Message Podcast. Please make sure to follow or subscribe to this so that you can get all the latest messages. We hope that you are inspired, empowered, and encouraged by the message today. Let's enjoy. Hey everyone, Richard here from Hong Kong. Excited to share the message with you today and really the start of a brand new series because at the end of this month, it is Easter. So we are going to be talking about stories of the cross and you know that, that whole kind of journey towards Jesus dying and rising again and the significance of that. And I'm excited to be able to kind of kick off this series today with you all. So let me first pray and then we'll jump into the message. Lord, we thank you for what you did on the cross for us. Lord, it's such a important part of our faith. And Lord, we want to really anchor ourselves into these truths. And I pray you'd speak to us. I pray that you would move in our hearts, Lord, move in our minds, move in our hearts and empower this time together. Let this be a time of supernatural lift. In Jesus' name, amen. Cool. Well, I've called this message, Why People Love Jesus. Okay. And uh, you've probably got a lot of different ideas when I ask you that question. Why do people love Jesus? I'm sure there's a lot lot of different reasons we could kind of ways we could answer that question. Uh, But over this next month, looking at this series, we're going to be looking at really why do people love him? Why did some people dislike him, especially enough to put him on a cross and kill him? Uh, Why did he have to die for us? Why did he need to rise again? These are all important questions uh, for our faith, and it's important to be grounded in some of this. And I think you're going to love the next few messages over this month as we dive into this series. So why do people love Jesus? Well, I want to start by jumping straight into my first point, and that is because Jesus loves and he cares for us deeply. Jesus cares deeply deeply for us. Have you ever had someone maybe in a position of authority in your life? Maybe it's your boss, maybe it's your teacher or a parent or someone like that. And you respect them and you you go to them and you tell them about something that's on your heart or something that you're excited about, you're passionate about. Maybe it's even something that you're concerned about, but whatever it is, you bring them something that you care deeply about and you're talking to them and you know you could see that it, it, it's going in, but it's just not registering. Like they're kind of checked out and they're, maybe they're nodding. But it's like you could just see that they don't really care about what you care about so deeply. That's not a good feeling, is it? Like that's, you know, it just feels like, ah, oh, it's a discouraging feeling. Well, I want to encourage you that Jesus is not like that. Jesus is someone that cares very deeply about you and me and our lives and what we go through and the, you know our families and the things that are on our heart, Jesus cares about deeply. And we're going to see that in this story, which begins in a small village called Bethany in Israel. And Jesus had some great friends with this one special family. Obviously, they were special to Jesus because it's, we, we, see, we see three siblings, two girls and a guy, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Lazarus, okay? They're all in the same family, and they're actually friends with Jesus, okay? I'm a little bit jealous. I would like to be, you know, 
hanging out with Jesus. I've never hung out with Jesus. He is my friend. He's also my savior. But I've never been in the same room with him. I've never been able to play board games with Jesus. And I would really like that. Uh, But this family were obviously close to Jesus and had obviously done life together with him. Now, the sad thing was, the beginning of this story, it starts with Lazarus, the guy, becoming ill. And he's actually getting worse day by day. His health is declining. And to his sister's horror, he is moving towards what looks like death. And they're in different towns. So Lazarus and his family are over here. Jesus is in a different place over here. And it says, so the sisters in John 11 verse 3. So the sisters sent word to Jesus. Lord, the one you love is sick. And I really like this because the sisters knew that Jesus loved their brother. They knew it. It was obvious. Jesus, the one you love, is sick. And I know you're going to do something about it, Jesus, because you love him. And he's sick. And he's struggling. And he needs you. And you love him. And you can do something. That's the kind of emotion that we see uh, from Uh, from these two sisters, Mary and Martha. And I know that Jesus loves everyone, right? Like he loves us all and he doesn't have favorites, but clearly he was close to this family who maybe they'd been serving alongside each other for years. Maybe they'd been followers of his for, for a year or two and they'd been doing life together quite closely. And we're actually coming into one of the most emotional stories in the Bible, all right? So get your tissues out. Don't worry, there's a very joyful ending, but we're going to see some ups and downs in this story. And we're going to see Jesus actually getting emotional. And, uh, you know, in a lot, of, a lot of modern art, we see Jesus kind of painted maybe holding a baby lamb or something, and he's so sweet, and oh, sweet Jesus. And, you know, we get that kind of loving side of him that grace side of him, but we don't always see the other emotions, that Jesus was actually very passionate. Jesus actually, sometimes there were things that made him get angry. He got angry at things that were wrong in the world. He got angry at sin. Didn't get angry at people, but he got angry at at the wrong kind of spirit. And we we actually are going to see in this story that Jesus was an emotionally involved person, and he actually you know, he, he cared about these people and, and this special family to him. And his, his reaction towards Lazarus's sickness is actually emotional. He wasn't just a distant God, you know, in the, in, in the far off distance who was kind of untouched by this family's pain. And I love the example of Mary and Martha. They were in a helpless situation. They couldn't do anything to heal their brother. And so they went to Jesus. And I want to ask you right now, maybe some of you, maybe there's a few of you who are feeling a little bit helpless right now. I want to, I want to encourage you, make sure you're going to, going to God's Word. Make sure you're going to Him in prayer. Make sure you're keeping that habit of journaling going. Sometimes in a hard time, we can even stop the habit of journaling uh, when actually that's the time when we need to lean into our journaling. We need to lean into our prayer life and believe Him for healing. Come on, believe him for a breakthrough. Come on, let's lean into Jesus just like Mary and Martha did. And I, I, I guess I really, 
you know, as a young person, you grow up, you kind of feel indestructible. And then when you have kids, you start realizing that there's certain things in life that you just can't, you can't impact. There are certain things where you're actually going to be helpless. <laughs> and when your kids start getting sick when they're little, it's one of those times. And I remember when uh, one of my boys, Brayden, I got four little boys, and he was maybe two years old, maybe even one, years, one year old at the time, and he got a bad case of croup, which is like a chest thingy, and you, you kind of, you're, you're breathing, uh, airways kind of get all inflamed. And, and so what was happening was he couldn't really breathe very well, and each breath that he took, this little baby, he would be, you know, and just, you could just hear just such a small amount of air going in in each painful breath. And the horrifying thing was watching his chest just go concave like like you know inverted on every single breath and and as a parent you know you're uh, additional to just freaking out right which every parent does uh, but you know the concern and the helplessness and it's like we need you know do we call an ambulance and all of this and we took him to hospital and uh, you know we're, we're praying over him the whole time and thankfully you know once we got him to the hospital he was he was fine and they gave him some medication it was all good but those moments of helplessness we need to be able to lean on our savior right we need to be able to lean on someone who cares deeply and you know in those moments that's all we could do was lean on jesus jesus take care of our boy we can't do anything and uh, so in this story continues with Jesus. He's heard the word that Lazarus is not well. He's, a, he's in a different town. He's in a different place. And in verse 5, it says, Now Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. Once again, we see that Jesus loved them. And this wasn't just their perspective. This is the reality, is that Jesus loved them. He wasn't just making it, them feel loved. He actually loved them. And when he heard that Lazarus was sick... He stayed where he was two more days. And when he said to his disciples, and then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. This is where it gets confusing to me. If you're up to this point in the story, you're like, okay, he loves them, right? And when you, when you, when you love someone and you hear that they're really so sick that they're on their way to death, you drop everything and you urgently make your way to be with someone, right? In that moment, you, you, you spare, you know, no time at all. You don't have a minute that you can waste when, when a situation is that serious. And yet it says he loved them, so he decided to stay where he was for two more days. This is really confusing. Why was he staying? Why didn't he come immediately? And I think we've got to understand sometimes that God doesn't always move in the way that we expect. His plan, we often say it's mysterious, the mysterious plan of God. And we, we aren't going to always understand it. There, there are going to be certain things that He'll reveal to us and there are other parts that will just be a mystery. And, and, and especially, let me tell you this, this, here's a frustrating truth. You want some grace and truth here? Here's a frustrating one. We're often not going to understand his timing. Okay? Jesus stayed there for two more days. Mary and Martha, what are they thinking? Jesus, where are you? Come on, we know you care, but, but where are you? They don't understand the timing. And I'm sure their timing of their plan would be that he comes immediately. 
But God has a plan. And let me tell you, let me encourage you, if, you're, if things like right now in your life are going crazy, if there, are, if there is a situation happening right now, let me comfort you that God has a plan. Lean into Jesus. Don't throw your faith out. Come on, hold on to Him. Hold on to faith. Lean into Him. Lean into His Word. Lean into your journaling. Lean into your prayer life. Lean into your church. And uh, you're going to see that God is not, has not finished with you yet. And although it's confusing in the middle of the story, there is an ending and God knows what He's doing. So Jesus makes them wait for a few days. And sadly, these girls' nightmare really becomes their reality and Lazarus passes away, the brother that they loved and the brother that Jesus loved. And on verse 17, it says, on his arrival, so Jesus finally comes, he found that Lazarus had already been dead in the tomb for four days. Four days! He, not, not only did he not make it while he was alive, but it took another four days. He was, not only that, he wasn't just a, you know, a, a dead body on the table. He was, he was in a tomb. They had prepared his body. He had been prepared for burial. It was all done. The families would have been grieving. They would have been well into their grieving process. I mean, this is Jesus stepping into a very heavy moment, a whole family grieving. And I want to say that, unfortunately, sometimes in life, bad things happen, even to good people. And just being a follower of Jesus, just being a Christian, doesn't mean that we're immune from the tragedies of life. And sometimes life happens. Sometimes things happen. I'm not saying it's God, but certainly we live in a fallen world. We, we live in a world where there is sin. And when sin came in, there was death and there was disease. Hey, we never believe that, that God sends disease. We just understand that it's, it's in the world. It's come, it's come about because of sin. It's not God's design, but it's here. We, we don't live in heaven yet, and we're not promised to be in a world free from suffering, yet that's heaven. Hey, that, that's a promise. Hey, who's looking forward to heaven? It's going to be amazing. It says there'll be no more tears, no more pain. Hey, there's no suffering in heaven, but it is true that on earth, we need to understand that it is a part of life and we're all going to feel something at some point. And we need to be ready for that. And maybe right now in your current season of life, things are good. I'll be honest, in my life right now, it's a good season. It's great. I thank Jesus for it. But I also know that things can change and that life has its ups and downs. And we need to have, and I need to have, a theology, a belief, an understanding that, okay, it's not all just going to be smooth but Jesus is with me and I have to trust his plan for my life. God has a good plan for you. Let me tell you, let me, t let me, let me give you a guarantee. God's plan for your life is awesome. It's not smooth, but it's awesome. It's good. And if you just lean into that, and maybe sometimes we need to let go of what we expected, of, 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 of our plans, and hold on to his plan, and hold on to the hope that we have in Jesus, then you're going to be able to get through those times uh, and move towards the, the, you know, the good times. That those moments, these storms in life do not last. And I want to encourage some people out there today. If you're in a, if you're in a bit of a storm right now, it's not going to last. No storm lasts forever. And Jesus has a plan. Come on, why don't we give the Lord a hand?
God has a plan. That's for someone out there right now. And uh, Look, sometimes even in these, in these bad moments, these low points, God can actually birth a miracle. He can birth something wonderful. And that happened to us, uh, to Lifehouse, really, in 2011, when, when the, the horrific tragedy of the tsunami, the earthquake, the nuclear meltdown happened in Japan. And Sendai, the city, beautiful city of, city of Sendai, I've been there, and, and it, it, was, it was so devastated, and many people lost their homes and lives and family members, and, and we had the privilege of being able to go up and help. Uh, Lifehouse was working with other organizations and had donations, and we went and helped to rebuild some people's homes and to help them get started again. Uh, in their, their kind of new lives in the wake of that tsunami. And it was a hard time. It was a really tough time. I was living in Japan at that time. And no one would say that that, that was a good time. That was, that was tough. That was, that was a moment. That was a low point. But let me tell you, God birthed something beautiful in that time because uh, we actually ended up starting a church out of that relief effort. Our church in Sendai began, and uh, it's, an, it's an amazing church, and I know Pastor Nobuki well, and he was overseas, and God really called him back to be a part of that relief effort, and now he's our pastor there, and it, it's just a beautiful story of God birthing something, a new life coming out of that death moment, and let's just, let's be encouraged that God has a plan. God can do something wonderful, even out of our low points. That's one, re- one reason why people love Jesus. It's because He gives hope. That's my second point, is He gives us hope in these moments. And as Jesus comes and He arrives in Bethany, and He was met with this family who was grieving, and, and Martha has this interaction with Him. Martha comes up, Mary still with her grieving family, and she comes up to Him and she says, uh, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And He speaks hope. And he speaks life. He speaks a promise. Come on, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And I can imagine she's probably quite emotional at this point. And maybe she has the faith to believe that he can rise again at the resurrection with all the other believers, but maybe not the faith to believe that her brother who's been dead for four days could literally come back to life right now. She was pretty exhausted at this point. I'm sure it had been a a big week for her. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, He's once again, He's speaking hope. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who is to come into the world. And let me tell you, church, that's all He needs. He just needs you to put your faith in Him. You don't have to understand how it's all going to work. You don't need to understand where your breakthrough is coming from, what it's going to look like, how you can expect it to, to arrive in your life. You just have to believe in Jesus, our Savior. Come on, the one who, who died on the cross and rose again for us. He's all-powerful and He's all-loving and He cares deeply and He wants to speak hope into your life. And maybe you've had a season where there's some really difficult things happen in your family. Or maybe in your financial situation, it seems just you're overwhelmed. 
Or, or maybe it's a relationship breakdown, a relationship that you cared so much about and you just don't know how to fix it. Let me speak hope. Come on, we have hope in our Savior, hope in our Messiah, Jesus. Come on, hope in the resurrection and the life. And I love how he said that because Jesus didn't just die on the cross. He rose again. That's the story of Easter. Come on, he rose again. Anyone can die, but only Jesus, our Savior, God, can, can live after they've died. That's the power of our God and his power to move in your life. Martha goes off. She's encouraged now. She's got some hope. It's building in her heart and she runs back to her sister Mary. Mary, Mary, come and meet Jesus. Come on, he's here. And I wonder what Mary's thinking at this point because she's thinking, where has Jesus been? It's been four days. And she's with her family and okay, she comes out to him. And verse 32, when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger filled up within him and he was deeply troubled. Remember I said this was going to get emotional? We're going to see a passionate Jesus here. And I don't believe he was angry with Mary, Martha and a grieving family. Jesus was angry at the power of sin and its impact and its pain it was causing on a family that he loved deeply. That sin had coming into the world and disease and all of these horrible things that come from the devil and he was angry at that. He wasn't angry at the people. He was angry at what, what, what was happening to these people that he loved so much. He's deep anger. I mean, where else in the Bible does it say that? that, that, that those words are not very uh, often written about Jesus. You know, the one with the, the baby lambs in all the, the old paintings. And he was deeply troubled. Verse 34, where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. And this part is really powerful. When I was a kid, uh, we were always uh, taught that the shortest verse in the Bible was this one here, John 11, verse 35, Jesus wept. Two words. Hey, if you've found it hard to memorize a Bible verse, this is a good one for you. Jesus wept. There we go. You've memorized it. Yay. But as I, as I got older and as I went through this story, I started to see the significance of why they had given these two words a whole verse by itself. Why was these two words singled out? Jesus wept. Think about it. Jesus was crying. Jesus grieved with this family. We often don't see pictures of Jesus being painted weeping. And this wasn't a weeping in a weakness. This was a weeping in empathy with a hurting family. Jesus cared. Jesus, Jesus was angry at what Sin and, and, and death and the power of disease had cost this family that he loved. And in Jesus' tears, we see God's heart. We see his, his love for you and for me. He feels it with us. And what kind of, you know, what kind of good parent doesn't hurt when their child hurts? I mean, every time my kids are hurting, it hurts me and I want to see them doing well. Of course, that's what a loving parent does. And our, our Heavenly Father hurts with us. 
And in Psalm 56 verse 8, I I think there's a very encouraging scripture because maybe there is some people out there right now, and I'm sure it's not everyone, but maybe this connects with some people. Maybe you're in a hard moment right now. And verse 8, it says, You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. I, I love this scripture. I love that it says God is collecting our tears in his bottle. He's writing it down, our sorrows. He's recording it. And I believe because God wants to pay us back. I believe that he doesn't want to forget the pain we've been through. And that maybe in this life, but probably more so in the next life, there's going to be some kind of heavenly reward for the things that we went through and the way that we handled things. And and God is not just going to forget about it. And it's not that he doesn't care or that he's indifferent. He's actually with us in those moments because we actually can see from the story that Jesus wept with Mary and Martha. And for me, uh, many years ago, before I was married, when I first came to Hong Kong, I went through really a short period of grief in my own life. It was serious loss in my own life. And I knew the worst thing I could do was just kind of stay at home and be sad about my, my, you know, my situation. I, I knew that wasn't going to help. I knew I had to get out of the house, be around some good people, go to church, uh, be involved in, you know, be involved in something positive, building the church, serving, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, I also have to go home and be by myself. You know, I have to be in that place where there's no one else with me and I can't be with people 24-7. So there comes that moment where it is just you. And when you're in that moment of sorrow and and maybe the tears do flow, it's nice to know that Jesus is with you. It's nice to know that as I pick up my Bible and I'm journaling and I'm saying, God, speak to me. Give me hope. (laughs) Fill my heart. Help me. And, and, And I know that he's recording that. He's, he's storing up those tears. He's with me in those moments because Jesus wept. There's comfort in it. It feels comforting to know that he's with me. And that leads me out. And I'm not going to stay in that moment forever. And I believe he, uh, come on, sadness is not our friend. And we've got to believe for, you know, if, if you're struggling with depression or some other kind of mental illness and you're in that sad place all the time, come on, we're believing for breakthrough. We're believing for healing for you in Jesus' name. We're not going to stay in that moment, but we do understand that life does have its low points. But Jesus is with us and he's going to lead us towards something else. And that's why people love him is they give us, he gives us hope that his plan is good, even if we don't understand what the next step is going to be. And my last point, why do people love Jesus? Because not only does he give us hope, but he also has the power to save and to heal. And he wants to. And this is important because we come to the climax of the story where we all know what's going to happen, right? We know there's going to be an amazing happy ending here. And verse 38, Jesus once more deeply moved came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor for he's been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? And I do think 
uh, Jesus was giving her a little bit of a grace and truth moment right now. He's, I'm sure he was delivering this in a way that was gentle, but it's, it's kind of strong to a, a woman who's grieving over her, her you know, dead uh, brother. Uh, he's saying, come on, you've got to get to the truth. Get, get, come back to the truth. You're going to see the glory of God right now. And he gets a bit strong. And at verse 43, when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave, cl- grave clothes and let him go. Can you imagine what this family felt seeing their brother who'd been dead for four days in a tomb that had the funeral, that done all that stuff, that prepared his body for his burial, and now he's walking out alive again. Can you imagine the joy? Can you imagine just the gratefulness? Can you imagine just the the presence of God in that moment that people are so overwhelmed with joy at what Jesus has done? And this is what happens. God can bring a miracle out, even out of our deepest suffering. And I know that this has been a big story, but I want you to see the heart of Jesus because this is why so many people love Jesus is because Jesus loves people. People love Jesus because Jesus loved people. He loves you. He loves me. He has a plan for you. In the good times, in the hard times, He's there. He's with you. He died on a cross and rose again all of us so that we could have hope, so that we could have a plan, so that we could not just have this hope that something nice might happen, but it's that we actually understand that He has the power to heal your healing. Jesus has power for it. Come on, God has power for your healing and He wants to. It's not just that He can, it's that He wants to. He has the authority and the desire to bring healing. He has the desire to bring a miracle in your situation. So let's put our faith in Jesus, Lifehouse. Come on. In 2024, let's put our hope in Jesus. Come on, give the Lord a hand. And right now, I want to pray because maybe there's some people in different kinds of situations here right now. Let's close our eyes. Let's pray. Lord, we give you our situations, Lord, whether it's in great times or hard times. Lord, we want to we keep you close. We want to lean into you, into our journaling, into our prayer life, Lord, into our, our, our church. We want to be there. We want to be in your presence, God. And I pray that you would comfort the hurting. But Lord, that you'd also lead them out of that season, that you'd lead them back to joy, you'd lead them to breakthrough, that you'd bring about miracles or that people would be shocked with your goodness, God, no matter what kind of a situation they're in. And Lord, for those in the good times right now, we also pray for a a strengthening so that they're ready for whatever life may throw at them. And Lord, we thank you that you're with us. We thank you that your Holy Spirit power operates in our lives as we go about our work, in our families, Lord, in every area of our life. Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a hand. Church, I want to pray for one other group because there's probably someone out there who you need to put your faith in Jesus. You need to follow Jesus right now. And you know that he died on a cross and that he rose again for you to forgive you, to pay the price, the ultimate price, his own death on the cross so that you could be forgiven, so that I could be forgiven, so that we could be clean, 
so that we don't have to feel guilty in front of Jesus. We can just feel pure in His eyes because He died on the cross and rose again for us and that He's a living God. He wants a relationship with you. He's not just some distant God. He wants to know you. He has the same love for you as He did for this family here. So right now, I want to pray for anyone who wants to receive Him into their life. So why don't you read out this prayer, either in your heart or maybe out loud if you're in private. But read out, read out this prayer with me and pray it to Jesus from the, from the bottom of your heart. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for forgiving me. Come into my life and I will follow you. Amen. Awesome. Come on, well, God is with you. I feel the Holy Spirit. Come on, I believe He's touching you right now. And if you made any kind of decision just then, make sure you don't keep it to yourself. Tell one of our people in our church and uh, we want to keep growing with you and helping you on your journey. Looking forward to seeing you in the next few messages in this series of Stories of the Cross. Thanks for listening today. We hope that God was able to speak to you through the message. If you consider LifeHouse your church home, or if you were blessed by these messages, then why not consider generously supporting us? Simply go to mylifehouse.com give and find the giving way that works best for you. Have a blessed day and we'll catch you all next time.